footsteps behind you as you enter the woods. Night draws back its cape. Light illumines your path. Open your eyes. Listen. Welcome to Dark Softly Tales. Dark stories for dark hearts. I'm Mav Sky. Good evening and welcome to your nightmares. I'm your host, Mav, and thank you for joining me in the final part of this story, Poison Lip Gloss. If you are a brand new listener, please go back to episode four where we begin our tale. If you are returning, thank you so much for tuning in and supporting the lovely new creature, Birth of a Thousand Imaginations, one of which is yours. Fairy tales can be gruesome, and yet we love them. Why is that? I don't know. Maybe it's the shock and horror, or maybe it's the perfect metaphor of the exchange of power between a predator and its prey. As a child, I was obsessed with the Grimm Brothers. I enjoyed the Disney versions of fairy tales as well, but the Grimm Brothers really spoke to me. I felt they prepared me for how to deal with difficult situations I found myself in. The story I identified with the most is Little Red Riding Hood. There were two versions of the ending. The first was when the wolf ate Red Riding Hood and she cut her weight out of this wolf's stomach with a knife. And the watered-down version is where a nearby hunter hears the screams and saves Red Riding Hood before the wolf eats her. I always wanted the watered-down version to be true, but I knew the only way out of the belly of the beast was to cut your way out yourself. Little Red Riding Hood has nothing to do with this story, but the violence does. How do the dots connect? This is something I'd like you to ponder as the lights dim and the ending of our fairy tale adventure awaits. Take my hand. I promise not to leave you behind. Let's enter the woods, shall we? Take my hand and hang on tight as we journey into the dark softly. They crept around the side of the house upon the hill, the scarecrow being careful to duck low when moving beneath the windows. Dolly couldn't help but notice how her shadow stretched long and dark across the green grass, the axe over her shoulder. A word alighted in the macabre images of her mind. Executioner. At the side of the house, she glanced up the trellis Ivy climbed all the way up to a window where a rusted wind chime in the shape of a carousel blew in the wind. The little silver horses tinkled as they spunk around and around. Dolly remembered that sound, especially in the dark of night when there was nothing to see but everything to hear. The window was in the little girl's bedroom, the girl who had left her behind. Dolly motioned to the scarecrow to show that she was going to climb up the trellis. He simply nodded back. 
Dolly stretched out her porcelain arms and grasped onto the trellis when she noticed a tiny crack from her wrist all the way up to her elbow. She frowned at it then lifted herself up and climbed carefully, knowing that if she fell, she would shatter into a thousand pieces. Occasionally, she touched the rope used to bound the scarecrow's neck, now securing the axe on her back to assure herself that it was still there. Once, she looked down to see how the scarecrow was faring, but he only stood there looking up at her the moonlight haloing softly about him, and the doll felt a fierce affection for the man made of cornstalks. And along with that fierce affection came anger. It was different than what she had felt toward the witch. It was a righteous anger at the farmer, at his family, the little girl, for what they had done to the scarecrow and his kin. At the top of the trellis, Dolly was sure to steer clear of the wind chime as she gazed into the window. Inside, a nightlight was plugged into the wall, and Dolly could see the shape of a child resting under pink blankets with puppies on them. She touched the window, and to her luck, it was open, just a smidgen. She fit her slim fingers beneath and began to lift when she heard the slight sound of glass breaking. The pain was instant on her wrist, and she looked down to find another cobweb of fractures in her porcelain arm. Then suddenly, the scarecrow was beside her, lifting the window, and then picking her up and setting her inside. Dolly glanced at the resting girl, and she didn't as much stir. Then, Dolly looked out the window and saw the scarecrow's feet still touched the ground. The corn stalks in his legs had attached to one another and lifted his torso high, high, high into the air as if on stilts. The scarecrow waited patiently as she closed her gaping mouth and stood back. He placed his hands on the windowsill and lifted himself through as if he were light as a feather, again retaining his normal giant height as before. The doll hadn't time to wonder about this marvel, for the little girl could wake at any moment. She drew the axe from the rope on her back and handed it to the scarecrow, who took it. They tiptoed to the little girl's bed. A fluff of blonde hair peeked out from beneath the pink blanket, and as bright as Dolly was about to signal to the scarecrow to swing the axe, moonlight flooded the room and the little girl sighed and turned on her back. Moonbeams revealed secrets that had been hidden away. Dolly looked upon the girl's face. Memories flitted as softly and gently as a newborn chick's downy feathers. The time they had a picnic in the sunshine beneath the apple tree. Sitting on the counter, watching the little girl as she and her mother made cookies. The little girl bringing a teacup to Dolly's mouth as the rain pounded outside the window. She remembered other things too. Darker things. Secrets hiding in the closet, the little girl's father, the farmer, hit her mother with his belt. The little girl crying when the father also hit the little girl's brother. And later, watching the girl and her mother digging a grave in the garden for the boy, for Tony. Dolly shook her head. 
This girl was precious. It was not the life she was meant to take. The scarecrow lifted the axe high above his head and Dolly grabbed his arm before he swung. The scarecrow looked at her with confusion and Dolly shook her head. Not this one, she said, then leaned over the girl and kissed her cheek. May you be blessed by the moon goddess, Dolly whispered to the girl, the girl that the doll loved and forgave. She motioned to the scarecrow as she crept across the floorboards and out of the bedroom door. The scarecrow slung the axe across his shoulder and followed. The next bedroom down, Dolly peeked through the open door and saw the little girl's mother resting on the bed. Wet tears still pooled in the hollow of her cheeks, and she clutched the Bible between her hands, holding it to her breast while she slept. Dolly continued down the hall and then to the stairs, stepping ever so gently. At the bottom of the staircase, they heard a stir from the couch. Dolly froze. A man murmured to himself, bringing a bottle to his lips and drinking, then babbled more at the moonlight. He dropped the bottle to his lap and Dolly saw that there were many, many bottles at his side and even more on the carpet at his feet. The man said, You ain't no son of mine, crying after taking a beating. If that makes you cry, then anything will make you cry. And you know what happens. They bury you. He shook his head. They'll bury you. So I saved you the hassle, son of mine. And I have no doubt your sister and mother will soon follow you down to the grave. A noise came from the farmer's hand. A word came to Dolly's mind. Gun. The man held a gun. She beckoned for the scarecrow to follow her as she tiptoed to the couch. The farmer took another long gulp out of the bottle and said, Just working up the courage, you know, to do the deed. Killing ain't no easy business, but a man has got to do what a man has got to do. Dolly didn't know who he was talking to. Her guess was the moon. They all spoke to the goddess in one form or another. They were behind him now, and Dolly startled when the man suddenly stood and cocked the gun. I'm going to do it. I'm gonna do it while I still got it in me. Molly, he yelled, I'm coming for you, honey. The farmer turned and just about jumped out of his skin when he saw the doll and the scarecrow with a raised axe standing behind him. The doll snatched the gun out of the farmer's hand before he fired, and the scarecrow swung the axe. The doll now understood what the deep holes in the garden were for, and she and the scarecrow buried the farmer there. They filled in the other hole as well, and the doll placed a rose petal upon the grave of the little girl's brother, Tony. She covered the petal with dirt and prayed to the moon goddess would cause it to grow for the little girl and her mother so that their hearts would be healed. After, she took the farmer's heart from the scarecrow and they walked back into the woods, following the dirt trail that led back to the bridge. It was there that they were greeted by the witch. She held a compact mirror and was lining her lips scarlet when she spotted the doll and the scarecrow. Who is this? 
she demanded, pointing at the scarecrow. The doll said, Uh, this is, uh... The scarecrow spoke a single word out loud for the first time. Bartholomew. Oh, said the doll, smiling at him. That's a very handsome name. Thank you, he replied. My name is Dolly. The troll prince named me. Extraordinary, replied the scarecrow, holding out his hand. Dolly wiped the blood off her right hand, and holding the farmer's heart in her left, she shook hands with Bartholomew. The witch flicked her compact mirror and lipstick into the swamp. She rolled her eyes. Well, aren't you too sweet? Dolly said. We brought you a heart, a human heart, just like you asked. The witch held out her hand, and the doll approached her and sat the heart delicately in the witch's palm. The witch said, Why, thank you, my sweet. She grasped the doll's porcelain chin with her left hand. Where's the poison lip gloss I painted on your lips? The doll glanced back at the scarecrow and said, I uh, wiped it off. After all the trouble I went to, the witch let go of the doll's chin. You do make me sick. She placed her left hand on the farmer's heart and began to pet it. She gave a wicked glare at the doll, then turned. Dolly followed her across the bridge, and when they reached the troll prince's body, the witch merely stepped over it and kept walking. The doll said, Wait, wait, you forgot your side of the bargain. Oh, and what was that? said the witch, turning slightly. A life for a life. You're going to use the heart to bring the troll prince back to life. The witch began laughing. Then the laughing turned into a cackle, and she held up the heart, a mess of torn muscle, veins, and dripping blood. The witch kissed it, then licked her lips. This, she said, is what keeps me young. This is what gives me power. It has nothing to do with you or your troll prince. You killed him. The doll marched right up to the witch. You killed him because you wanted me to protect your bridge. The witch said, wrong. You killed him, dearie, not me. And after I've eaten this tonight, she held up the heart. I won't need you nor him to protect me. She whirled around again and walked away. The doll chased her down the bridge and grabbed her arm. But you promised you can't just walk away from this. The witch shoved her back. Can and will. And that is when the doll grabbed the witch's dark, glossy hair and yanked it. And with the witch's head flung back, the doll knocked the farmer's heart out of the witch's hand and into the swampy water. You! screamed the witch. Suddenly, she held a hammer in her hands. She swung it at the doll's face when Bartholomew stepped up behind the doll. The scarecrow slammed the axe into the witch's skull. The witch stared at them, utterly amazed. The hammer dropped from her hands to the bridge. And then she began to shriek as if her skin was lit afire. The doll gasped and held her hand over her mouth as the witch wailed and wailed into the night. Her skin bubbled and melted into a turquoise puddle of tar upon the crevice of a wooden slat. Bartholomew knelt beside the doll and stuck his hand into the tar 
and what he pulled out made the doll gasp again. It was the necklace with a sapphire potion that the witch had worn about her neck. He handed it to Dolly, and she threw her arms about the scarecrow. Thank you. Bartholomew patted her gently on the back. We haven't much time. This can only be done after a witch has died on All Hallows Day, at the witching hour, which is the exact stroke of three. The doll and the scarecrow scrambled to the other end of the bridge where the troll prince's body lay. The doll lifted his head and uncorked the potion bottle. The final drop of innocent touched his tongue as church bells began to ring far, far away. Moonlight graced upon them when the final church bell struck and the troll prince opened his eyes. The doll saw herself mirrored in them and suddenly she knew the truth. She was real. She had been real all along. The deception was what she had believed that had made her real. It had nothing to do with skin nor bones but everything to do with what was inside her heart, inside her mind. The troll prince sat up and took her hands and kissed them. She was no longer made of glass, but of smooth, milky skin. Her eyes were no longer made of glass, nor stolen cat eyes. She possessed her very own sea-green irises. The moon goddess has blessed you, whispered the scarecrow. Perhaps Bartholomew was right. Her reality had come about with a breath of magic and grace. Grasping the troll prince's hands tight in hers, she turned to the scarecrow and made a promise. We will free your people, Bartholomew, every last one of them until I no longer have breath. The scarecrow removed his weathered hat and held it over his heart, singing a silent song of his people, as the doll, no longer a doll, and the troll prince, no longer a troll, kissed under the moon's golden beams. The witch had spoken one thing that was true. Tonight was a night of magic. Because of the little girl, the little girl who had left her behind, and the house upon the hill. Thanks for tuning into the show. If you've enjoyed today's story and want to know more, check out Mavs's website at darksoftlytales.com and click on the podcast tab. Like Mav on Twitter at DarkSoftlyTales or join her Facebook page at MavSky. Please remember to follow and leave a review on iTunes to keep the podcast going and growing.